Hi, welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. All right, we started a new series last week that we're calling Work Life, and we're talking about different aspects of what God has to say about our jobs, our careers, the workforce that we are in. Um, This morning, across all of our One Chapel campuses, we have a business person who is speaking at each of our campuses, and so you won't hear from the pastors at any of our campuses here today. You're going to hear from a business person. For us here at One Chapel Lake Travis, you're going to hear from Mr. Travis Makashan. And so if you would, please put your hands together. Welcome as he comes to share his story. All right. Thank you for allowing me to be up here, and thank you for the awesome introduction. Pastor Russ, let me get my lesson out. So, my name is Travis. I am married to my beautiful and wonderful sweet wife, Kristen. Uh, We have three awesome kids. They're spirited. Um, And eight, six, and three, uh, Penelope, Ruby, and True. And now is as good a time as ever to share that baby number four is on the way. <laughs> and so, thank you, my sweet wife, for making a new tiny human in your body for me. I really do appreciate that, the work she's done. And, 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 you know, it's been tough. I've been working on this sermon probably a little more than I want to admit. And don't, don't ask Pastor Russ, he'll probably... Uh, but so, you know, really right now, if you went home to our house, there's probably like a family of raccoons in our kitchen. You know, uh, my wife is, you know, she's making a baby. She's got important, important things to do. But, uh, my daughter Ruby has been really supportive through this. I was working on this message a little bit under pressure and she came into my office and hugged me. And, you know, normally, you know, she, you know, okay, what does she want? She's got, she's got like, baby, what do you need? She said, I just want to be with you. And I was just like... Oh, I needed that, you know, so we hugged for like five minutes and then I gave her a kiss and then she kind of went on her way. But so I'm thankful for family and I'm thankful to be here. I didn't draw the short end or the short straw to do this. Pastor Russ invited me and asked me to do it. And so Pastor Russ, I just want to say thank you. And I don't want to just say thank you to you, but to this entire staff and all the people that have supported me and my family, this church is this massive, huge blessing and it's an answer to prayer. And so I'm just really thankful for that. Um, so the, what's my story? So it's important to you kind of understand where I'm coming from. So I, I was born right here in Austin, Texas. I got my degree in architecture from Texas A&M. I worked at a couple of internet startups as a graphic designer, and then I had this really cool opportunity to start my own company, but I had to move to Oregon. Um, I was there for a couple of years, and then, well, God kind of took a hold of my life there. Um, but then when I came back, I started Glide, and Glide is the company that I, that I created, and, it, and it's from 2003, and I'm still running it to this day. And just a couple of just really super quick, interesting facts about me. So the first is that when I was four, I wanted to be a professional surfer and an architect. Um, and so while neither of those two panned out, I do have a degree just in case, right? Um, and I went to Lake Travis High School from kindergarten until I graduated 12th grade, so I'm a lifer. So this area is in my blood. Um, and then finally, I built a full and massive ninja course in my backyard um, for my kids, right? Um, and the answer to the question is, yes, I did submit a video to American Ninja Warrior. And no, they have not called me. <laughs> so, uh, so I will be submitting another one this year. We'll see. Um, 
And so the reason I'm up here is because Pastor Russ just, you know, he mentioned it, right? I'm not him. (laughs) That's the number one requirement for me being here. Um, But aside from that, it's just to share this perspective from someone who has never once operated in full-time ministry in a vocation of ministry. I've never had any paid positions. I'm just a passionate volunteer. And so I wanted to do a quick survey of the room. If you've never been or are currently not in full-time ministry paid at a church, raise your hand. Okay, so that's everyone in the room, right? Um, and so I think it's applicable coming for me. You know, none of us generally have seminary degrees. We haven't been in this church environment. So when you're speaking from the place of personal calling and work, it's nice to kind of think about that work uh, outside the church in some ways is a little bit different, right? The area that you operate in um, is maybe not the same. And so uh, I just kind of introduce you to Glide, my company. So for 16 years, I operated Glide. We are a values-based digital creative agency. And that's just a really big fancy way of saying we make websites that are beautiful, that are, that are easy to use, and that produce results. And, um, you know, even though we are a small team, we're scrappy to a fault, we've worked with some really cool clients. So over the last almost, uh, gosh, I don't know, 17 or 18 years, um, some of these really awesome clients like Yeti Coolers and Torchy's Tacos and um, HEB Foundation and Taco Deli, so lots of taco-related companies. Um, <laughs> I love tacos and queso, so that's me. Um, and so I just want to, I had a couple of, so this is the Glide team. We are a remote or distributed company, which is a fancy way of saying that I'm cheap and I don't want to pay for a building. Um, and so we all work from home. And so this is what we look like. And yes, I am surfing on my chair. Um, and, uh, and, and this is the representation of Glide. So this is, um, there's this slide and it, it, it's the next one. And and basically, it's, uh, it's beauty and results. That's what Glide is. So we make beautiful things that produce results. Um, so, you know, basically what I'm going to be talking about today is just my journey and work and how I got to be where I'm at and how God has used work in my life to really just be able to kind of first for me to find Jesus in my work and then for me to reflect Jesus back out. And, and just how he's used and used work in every step, just every touch point, all these God moments to grab me and, and, to, to, and to you and to work his plan into my life. And it's just been amazing. Um, you know, my very first job out of college um, was right above a church. And that's the church I went to for 18 years. Um, when I was in Oregon and I got this job opportunity, God took hold of my life and completely changed my life from the ground up. And it was because of this job opportunity. And if you're like me and you're in full-time and you're, in, and you're working full-time, God has to figure out a way to get to you, right? You know, because we're not at church every day of the week. We're at work most of the time. And so I just think that uh, it's just such an applicable thing. So there's two things that I want to share with you today. One is that God has handcrafted you with a very unique purpose, a purpose that is all your own, right? And it's to do good works. And, and, and there's a specifically, it's to do good works where you're most effective. And so we're going to be talking about this concept of a sweet spot. And what is a sweet spot? And what does it look like? And how do you find it? And how do you stay in it? Um, and... And your personal calling and work, I believe, is to live in and stay in this sweet spot. And, and, and it, it starts right where you're at, right here, right now. But it also goes wherever it takes you and however it takes you. And your, and your purpose is to shine brightly for the, for the good of others unto the glory of God. So, you know, before we get started, I just want to pray and invite God to do what he's going to do and not what I want to do. So, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity. I give everything to you, God. I probably have enough information in my head for three sermons, but God, it's, it's, it's what I want for you to share, Lord, this morning. And if there's anything that's of me, Lord, that comes out, let it fall to the ground, God. 
And let everything that we do honor you, Lord. And and as we work and we live our lives, Lord, um, to do what it is we're passionate about and what it is we've been uniquely created to do, Lord, in the workplace. God, let us just be able to reflect that glory back to you. And and, and Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. So all work matters. So who here remembers their very first job? Um, I think we've all had one. Yeah, right? It's okay, you can raise your hand. Uh, my very first job was Yacht Harbor Marina. It was, two th- it was 1996. I think the minimum wage was $4.25. Um, I was 16 years old, and it was, uh, it was you know, for a summer, so it was really hot. Um, and I was the low man on the totem pole, and I had to do the mowing. And, and so in a marina, there's like 1,000 trailers, and it's like 50 acres, hundreds of acres, whatever it was. It was big. And so as I, as I we, would weed eat through this, it would take me weeks to get through all of these trailers. And by the time I got done to the end, well, you can imagine that by the part that I started, I already started growing up again, so I had to start back over. So it was kind of one of those jobs where it was just like you just worked at it. And that was my second worst job. Um, and so after I graduated high school, I went off to college and I came back. Um, like most people, I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. I had this degree. I had these athletic accolades. And then I just didn't really have any clue, any plan uh, for my future. And so I lived with my parents and I just got a job with some of my friends. And these guys were, were wonderful people, but they were kind of a little bit rough around the edges. And it was a tough job. It was a landscape company, but really we just dug ditches and hauled rock. And it was, if you've ever hauled rock in a wheelbarrow, never fill it to the top, okay? Just fill it like halfway, because if you fill a wheelbarrow to the top with rocks, it will be too heavy. You won't be able to, and if it's slightly tipped, it's going over. Um, And so one day we were called out to this job. We thought we were going to be designing a waterfall or a landscape uh, architecture project. And he said, hey, are you guys the cleanup crew? (laughs) And so we, uh, you know, we looked, and he had, he had uh, all these trees that he had cut down down a hill. And so he's like, I need you to haul all these trees off. And so this hill was with loose dirt. And so we're hauling trees up this loose dirt hill. It's like, you know, every step you take, you fall on your face, right? You know, and so for five hours we did this, and finally we, we said, you know what, we're done. And, and, we, uh, and that night I got home and I said, you know what, I did not go to college for five years to haul trees up a hill. There's got to be more for my life. And that was when something, you know, a switch just flipped in my head. I called my sister and I said, Rachel, I need you to buy me a suit. I need you because I don't have one. I'm going to go do, I, and I scheduled every interview. I thought of every person that I could imagine that was remotely interested in what I wanted to do, which was graphic design. And, um, and so finally I landed a job and it was this awesome dream job. And so that kind of brings us to our first, uh, our first point, which is number one, we often have to take a lower position to wait for God to use us in greater ways. And, you know, I love this quote from Theodore Roosevelt that says, do what you can with what you can, where you are. And it might be that, you know, the job, you don't like it. You know, it might be a job that you're really good at, but you don't like. In college, I ran track, which, you know, I got a scholarship. And so technically that's a job. And, and I was really good at the 400 hurdles. Well, I did not like the 400 hurdles. I mean, every race I would run, I would throw up after the race because it was just like this body trauma. Um, I don't know why I got good at that race. I would have been happier with the 100-yard dash, right? Um, so, you know, so we have to take this position that God gives us, and he uses these things to grow us and to mold us and to shape us and to give us the opportunities that he's trying to accomplish in our life. And so I just want to share with you an illustration. So there's this, uh, this story Christopher Wren, um, who is this English architect in uh, the 17th century, and he had designed the St. Paul Cathedral. And so he's walking on the job site, and he comes to the first man, and he says, what are you doing? And the man says, I'm chopping some stone. And so he continues walking, and he poses the same question to the second man, and the second man says, 
I'm earning five pence, uh, or I'm earning uh, two shillings, five pence a day. And so he goes to the next guy and he asks this third man. So he's talked to the first two. And then he asks this third man, what are you doing? Same question. And the man says, I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren build a beautiful cathedral. And so what we see is we see that all of these men are doing the exact same thing. But here's the thing. The first man, and I think you guys have this in your notes. The first man had a job, right? He knew what he was doing. He, okay, I'm chopping, some, I'm chopping some blocks. And the second man, he had a career. He knew what he, he knew how it would help him, right? Oh, I'm, you know, I'm earning a daily, I'm earning a daily wage. This is great. But here's the thing. The third man had a calling. He knew why he was doing it. And more importantly, especially for our case, he knew who he was doing it for. And so I think that's the encouragement that I want to give you is that as we talk about this concept of a sweet spot where you're uniquely designed to do and where you're supposed to go, your sweet spot starts with right here and right now. It starts with a change of your perspective. It starts with looking at your work and saying, why am I doing this work and who am I doing this work for? Because when you have a job that maybe you're in that you don't like or you have a job that you know is kind of just a temporary thing, or maybe it's not even a job, maybe it's just a position in your life, um, as a volunteer or a homemaker, you, we, we have to change our perspective of why are we doing this and who we are doing it for. And I love this quote, or I love this scripture. It was just Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do with all your heart, uh, work with all your heart as, as unto the Lord. Or, or in other verses, it says, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And, um, you know, there's this great illustration of John F. Kennedy. He's walking into the NASA Space Center doing a tour, and, and he asks this janitor, what are you doing? And the janitor says, I'm helping put a man on the moon. And I just, I love that illustration because it's, to me, it's this man gets it. He gets the vision. He understands his why, and he knows who he's doing it for and how it's helping the cause. Um, and so that's our second point, which is to find, and I, I would say to find, and if, to find your sweet spot is to start by asking why you're doing what you're doing and who you're doing it for. And so the, here's, our, here's, our second, here's our second concept is that you are created uniquely to be you. You're not created to be anyone else. There's, uh, there's all kinds of scripture about this, but obviously there's this one that we've heard probably before, and it's Psalm 139, 13 and 14, and it says, For you were created, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're wonderfully created. And, and, you know, there's lots of examples about how intricate and unique the human body is. But I was trying to kind of come up with an idea of, like, how can I share what, how God sees us and how God made us as an illustration? And so I have these two pens in my pocket. And um, I want to pull these out. And uh, this first pen is just an average pen. It's my favorite pen that I normally use. Um, it's just this, uh, you know, precise pilot pen. It's black. It, it's, you know, you can buy 12 of them for like $2. Um, it does its job. It writes. But this is the Fisher Space Pen. It's pretty fancy, as you can imagine. Paul Fisher invented this pen to be on the Apollo missions in 1968. Not this exact pen, but a pen very similar to this. It hasn't changed much over all of these years. And as you can imagine, it's extremely unique, okay? So it's been handcrafted and precision-made right here in America, right? Right here in the United States. And it's, it's, uh, it's got these really unique qualities to it, right? So it can work underwater. It can, ride on, it can ride on grease. It can work upside down. It can work in these very extreme conditions like negative uh, 30 degrees Fahrenheit to 250 degrees Fahrenheit, which I don't know why you'd write be writing with a pen in 250 degrees. But anyways, it's, it's pretty amazing, right? It, can, it has a shelf life of 100 years. And the most important thing is that it works in zero gravity. 
Um, and so it's been on every space shuttle launch since uh, the, the, the Apollo missions in 1968, and to this day they still use the same pen. And so just like this Fisher space pen has a unique design, right, to work in extreme conditions, and it has a unique purpose to, to, to be able to ride on any surface, and it has a unique place or position where it's meant to go, outer space, um, we see these same three elements in Ephesians 2.10. So my hope for you is when you walk out of here, you'll never look at Ephesians 2.10 the same. And Ephesians 2.10 is this wonderful, beautiful verse. I feel like in some ways it's a focal point. Um, and obviously there's this idea of, of grace and God's grace and that we're, uh, you know, we're here to, uh, to, to, to be before we're to do. But, but here as we're talking about work, we're looking at this verse. And so I want to read it to you, which is, uh, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I'm going to stop and just take a breath. And I'm going to read that one more time. We are God's handiwork. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so there's these three elements to this verse. There's this symmetry. There's this pattern and a design of a sweet spot that God has made for us. And so number one, the first element design. We are God's handiwork. So in other translations, it says we are his masterpiece. We are his workmanship. And, and, you know, each of us has been created uniquely by God to have a shape in a, in a, in a particular sweet spot. That's all his own. And we represent him because he has created us in his image. Right. And then, so we see the second element of this verse is purpose, purpose uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Other translations say to live our lives filled with good works or good deeds. So we're created for these unique good works that God has prepared in advance for us. He wrote them into the fabric of creation for the beginning, before the beginning of time, just for us. It's amazing. And, and then we see the final element, which is uh, position. So, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so other, this is important. In other translations, I really love the translations that say, you know, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So to walk in something means to move, and to move means to change location. And when we change our location, we're going. So we see that there's the symmetry of design and purpose and position, which translates to an identity, right? A mission in our mission field, which translates to be, do, go, right? So we have these elements in here of this verse that it's just so rich and it's so layered and I hope that when you look at this verse, you'll think about these things. And, and so God intends us to use all of these things for his glory, right? Uh, all of these things that we have been created to do and we are uniquely created to do. And that's our sweet spot. It's this intersection of our design and our purpose and our place. And, um, you know, I think that this is the third point, which is to, to stay in your sweet spot. And I would say to find and stay in your sweet spot is to be true to who you are uniquely created to be. So... Uh, Recently, I was invited to go and speak at this industry-related event. I was a little bit nervous because it was a pretty big event. Um, and the, 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 the way that they invited me to do this was very unique. So essentially what happened was um, they wanted to juxtapose. It was this organization called WP Engine, which is a hosting company. I make websites. They, they host websites, if you're familiar with that. Um, and they wanted to put me next to another company that was very large, and I'm very small. And... And they wanted to kind of show how, you know, their company, this hosting company, can, ho can support very, very large and very small companies the same. And so it was this kind of David and Goliath thing. So the, the, the fellow that was going to be on the stage with me was, he was the senior vice president for Edelman. And Edelman is a billion-dollar company. They have 6,000 employees and 60 offices around the world. And I'm Goliath. We have, like, a scrappy dozen, maybe. <laughs> 
And, um, and so they wanted to have him come up and speak first. And then they wanted to have me come up and speak. And then they wanted to have us both come back on the stage and have a moderator ask us questions. And so I'm freaking out because I'm thinking, gosh, this guy is a senior vice president, you know, of a billion dollar company. And we're super tiny and like, you know, we're going to look goofy next to them. And then, and then, so the moderator sent us this list of questions. So, you know, so we could be prepared and all of these questions are like, you know, like very like, what is this, the future of marketing and machine learning and all this stuff? And I'm like, man, you know, this isn't my heart, you know? And so I was struggling a little bit um, to kind of find my unique identity. And, and so he had put a couple of notes, a couple of additional questions, which related to things that I was passionate about. And so I just kind of went for it. I said, you know, I don't know what this audience cares about. I feel like they probably will be more interested in how you can use machine learning to, to automate your marketing processes. I don't know. But there was this question that I wanted. I said, like, well, how about culture in your company? And, and how about how do you impl- and retain employees and, and, and operate as a values-based organization? And so we got up there, and we're on the stage, and they're asking the questions. And he's, he's asking this other guy questions about, you know, marketing automation and all these things. And he asks me, he says, how do you, how do you retain – how do you have such a good retain rate – with your employees. And I, so I, so I talked about creating a culture of gratitude and I talked about how I love all my employees and how I, um, I, we do this thing called three and five on Fridays where everyone says, you know, three things they're thankful for and five. And I kind of went on and on and told all these stories. And I talked about how we have this BHAG, which is a big, hairy, audacious goal to change the world. And, and, um, and the neat thing about it was the, 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 re- the resonance, the relevance in the audience, like afterward and the response that I got, we got emails and tweets and texts and a lot of people called and and what i realized was is like people get enough of the industry stuff they were like starving for this authenticity and and i can't tell you the people that reached out to me that said you know what i'm so inspired i want to create a culture of gratitude at my company and and so you know when we yeah and so when we step into who we are uniquely, it takes a little bit of, of trust, right? There's this uh, awesome, awesome scripture of, of Peter, you know, and he's in the boat and Jesus is like, oh, you know, come out of shore. He's like, okay, fine. But then he's like, okay, go into deep water and throw your nets in. And, and Paul uh, or Peter kind of looks at Jesus and he's like, Ugh, we've been up all night, but you know, because you say so, I will. And so I think God is calling us always to greater things. In fact, I had my, my motto for all of 2018 was do greater things for the good of others unto the glory of God. And it just it permeates all of your life. And, you know, and, and I think there was just I, I can't help but just kind of call out a couple of people that I feel are just like really living in their sweet spot. And I could just pick a million people, but I have such a short amount of time. But, but it's, it's, uh, it's Hayden. And I don't know. I can't see if he's here in the, in the room. But I just, you know, with all my heart, I feel like he has been made to worship. Do you guys agree? Like, he could trip and fall and lead us in worship. Like, he's just, he's got, he's got more talent in his pink. I mean, he's, he's probably back there, you know. He's the most humble guy, so he probably doesn't like me doing this. But, um, but I look at him, and he's just such a beautiful, wonderful, he's an old soul. And, he, you know, he just, you don't, he doesn't have to prepare. He can just be, you know. He is in his element when he's up here leading worship. And, you know, I've had the opportunity because he's been traveling, um, with his family and staying in Houston to take care of his son Amos um, to help Logan with worship. And so I was singing and leading worship uh, for the youth just this past week. And I'm up there, and the, the thought that kept coming into my head was that, oh, gosh, I'm not nearly as good as Hayden is. You know, like, I wonder if these kids are like, oh, he's terrible at this. You know, like, um, <clears throat> and, and it's like that is the enemy, you know, speaking to us. It's like, I'm supposed to be me. I can't be Hayden. Whenever we're up here and he, let, he allows me the opportunity to sing a song, the last thing that's going through my mind is I'm not going to be as good at this as he is. My, the, the, the thing that's going through my mind 
I hope and, and that I, I, I believe with all my heart is that this is what God has called me to do, and I'm going to do it with gusto. <laughs> I'm going to do it to the very best of my ability. And so that's what God is calling us to. You know, and I think there's a couple of other people. Russ really is one of these people. I feel like he is what Brian uh, or uh, John C. Maxwell calls a level five leader. These are leaders that create other leader makers, not just leaders that create leaders. I look at him, and I just see him walk in this. I mean, have you seen his bookshelf? It's really big, you know. Um, <clears throat> And then also uh, my wife. My wife, Kristen, um, is just passionate about what she does. She loves social media. She loves health and wellness. She loves nutrition. So she runs these challenge groups on Facebook. Like, she could basically do this for free, but that's her job. Like, she loves it so much that even if she wasn't paid, she would still be doing this. And, you know, sometimes she hasn't made that much money. She's still doing it. And so I think that that's the goal is, you know, when you look at John 10.10, it says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. And I think that when we're, when we're operating in our sweet spot, we see that. We see that, that we, there's this, I think there's this fancy word called vocational integration, right? Where it's like a vocational fit. It's like Mr. Rogers, right? Like Mr. Rogers, when he's in his element, he's just doing. He's just being who he is, right? Um, and that's our goal, and that's what God calls us to. Um, but the problem is, you know, for some of us, it's a challenge because maybe we don't know what our, we don't know what our gifts or talents are. Or the, it could be that, you know, unlike others uh, that might love their job, or uh, they, might, they might, you know, not like their job. Maybe there's some people that love their job, right? So I love what I do. I really do. I enjoy it. I think it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad I get to do it. But sometimes I, I lose sight of the prize, right? You know, you can get so caught up in success or you can get so caught up, even if you just are just busy. Um, I was driving down the road and I looked down and I saw that um, I had uh, all of my lights on. I had my, like, my check engine light was, or my, my oil light was on and my seatbelt light was on and my gas light was on. It's really embarrassing, <laughs> And I just, you know, so I was too busy. I, I'm, I'm not making enough time for other people. And so, you know, we have to be intentional. And, and I think that one of the things we have to do is to think about others. And we have to be intentional about setting our time and setting our mind around the idea that why we're at work is not for us. And that's this big shift. And it's this big shift in me. And so when I met my wife. We went on a blind date. And, um, but then, you know, when I took her on my first date, I took her to Kirby Lane Cafe into the main event. And I don't know why I took her to main event. Who takes someone to main event, at, you know, first day? I don't know. It was a mistake. But we went. So we went to play, um, we went to play arcade basketball. And um, so, I, you know, I, I'm okay. I played basketball in high school. So I, I'm shooting, and I get, I get 15 points. I look her. She had 25. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. So I was like, we're playing again, you know. So we played again, and I'm, like, focused. I'm in the zone. I'm knocking them down. I get 25. And I look over, and she got 50. And little did I know, because she hadn't told me this yet, that she's like an MVP All-State basketball player. <laughs> right then and there, I should have proposed, right? But what did I do? I got really flustered. In fact, that's how the rest of the night went. We played a couple of the things. She beat me some more things. And so I was like, we're going home. I'm leaving. And I dropped her off, and I went, I was like, I'm never going to talk to that girl again. <laughs> and, and so my, my, I, you know, my, my mind, you know, got in the way uh, this, here's this beautiful, wonderful woman, right? And, and, and I lost sight of the prize. And I think that's what happens is, you know, when we're working, we get caught up in ourself, our own pride, our own problems, our own struggles, and we don't put others first. And we're not using our time effectively. We're not, we're not taking, op- taking all these wonderful opportunities. So Ephesians 5.16 says, be very careful then how you live, not as, not as unwise, but as wise. And making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The Lord's will isn't really that fancy. He, he's pretty darn clear about it. Love God, love others. That's it. <laughs> it's not that complicated. 
And, uh, you know, so I think sometimes we get really caught up in, oh, I don't know what the Lord's will is for my life. Love God, love others. Just start with that. And, you know, I think that that will go a long way. And, and, um, and then get into the Bible and, and talk to him. And so I, 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 uh, during my work a couple of years ago, I came across this quote that, like, struck me to my core like a sword. It was, if you don't build your dreams, someone will hire you to build theirs. And I operate Glide with a lot of contractors. Um, and so as contractors, they pay, they're paid for a job and they're done and they're paid for the next job and they're done. And I realized, you know what, these people that I'm, that I'm hiring and operating as contractors, most of the, the company at Glide is contractors. We have about five employees and about 10 contractors. And, and you know what, I was like, these are, these people are getting no intrinsic value of working for my company. And it just really struck me to my core. And so I decided to start researching 401k packages. I started to, re- you know, safe harbor. I, all this stuff is complicated to me. Profit sharing, uh, health insurance, and all of these things that I could start offering to these contractors. And, um, and so I, I hired a business coach. I, 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 you know, I talked with my accountant. And, 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 and it, so it has been this really neat thing. We've been transitioning all of these contractors slowly but surely where it makes sense to have a healthy business. Um, but you might be talking to me thinking or just kind of looking and thinking, well, great. You know, I don't hire people. I can't offer 401ks. Like, you know, that's a pretty uh, – so – but there's like – there's all kinds of wonderful things that are very easy for us to do. So every morning I wake up and I have a task list. Who, who is really big fans of task lists? You know, me, okay, maybe, you know, like about half the people or less. Um, so I have a repeat task list. And every day I wake up, it looks at it, it says post-team quote. And, uh, well, it says a couple other things. Do a daily journal and a Bible devotion. Um, and, but post-team quote. So what I do is for the last three years, every single morning of work, I go and I search for a quote. And it might be a quote like, you know, growth and comfort cannot coexist, which is like one of my favorite quotes. Or we rise by lifting others, you know. Um, and I post this quote in our daily chat application, uh, Slack, which a lot of you guys may use at your business. And um, I've been doing this for years and years. And it has been the most amazing thing. I can't tell you how many people from my company have come into me and told me I really love these quotes. Or even when I post it, they'll say, so that's the coolest quote. And it's something that I do. I don't, like, go and just grab a whole bunch from a sheet and just kind of mindlessly paste them in. Every single day, I kind of, what's on my heart for these people today? And so that's just this little thing that I do. And then also, uh, you know, sometimes to be intentional, uh, you know, I always wanted to kind of like, you know, speak specific encouragement into people. And I kept struggling with this. Like, why can't I remember to like, you know, remember to encourage people? Well, sometimes you have to just be very intentional. So I made it a task list item. I have to check a box off, encourage someone today. Isn't that funny? Um, and so I've been doing this for about six months or maybe a little less. And I have about 12 or 15 people at the company. And so people are getting encouragement, personal specific encouragement, like two to three times a month. And I feel like it has literally recomposed the culture of our company. And you just see the positivity and the lack of drama and the lack of politics and just a group of people that are just genuinely happy to be there. And, um, and, and I mentioned the thing three and five Fridays. So every day on Fridays, we have this thing three and five and, and, and we do. And, and then we also do this thing uh, where I, uh, you know, uh, specifically, you know, say, hey, here's all the wonderful people that have done stuff. And I give them specific gratitude. And our project managers started doing that all on their own without asking me. And so it just kind of creates this virtuous circle of gratitude. Um, and I wanted to share with you one other thing. So I looked at all these people, all these wonderful, talented people, designers and coders and, and all these different uh, folks. And I said, you know what? Why are we just using this talent that we have to make websites uh, and get paid to do it. What if we started using our talents to make the world a better place? So we started uh, inside Glide. We started uh, an entity called Glide Labs. And we, so we sat down and we democratically thought of, okay, what's going to be our first project? What are we going to do? And we decided our first project was going to be a core values finder because we thought we can make the world a better place by helping people find their core values. 
And so, uh, so we came up with this idea for a card game. And so it's these 50 beautifully designed cards, and each of these have a, have a core value. And on the back, it describes the core value. And then there are these question cards, like, you win the Nobel Peace Prize. Which words make you, which would you include in your speech? And you go through this exercise, and we've created this beautiful instruction set, and we've entered it into competitions to win awards and things like that. I went through this exercise with Pastor Russ, and I got to learn his core values. And when you sit and you watch someone play this game, which takes like maybe 10 minutes, you get to learn about someone. I learned my daughter cares about inner balance. Like, I never knew that, you know? How would, I ever, how would that ever come up in a conversation? And so, uh, so this is just our way of living out Jesus, well, at least for me. You know, not everyone in my company is a Christian, but it's our way of just being who God wants us to be and being intentional about it in our work. And our final point, I'm kind of wrapping up with this, is that um, so we're doing all these things, right? You know, we're, we're, we're being ourselves, we're being authentic to who we are, we're, we're trusting, uh, and we're being intentional about it along the way, and, and, but, but to be extraordinary. And, um, you know, so there's this scripture, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 that says, whatever, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Uh, the, the composer, Johann Sebastian Bach, on every single, uh, every single one of his compositions, he would sign it to the glory of God. John Coltrane wrote in the liners of Love Supreme, which is arguably his, um, inarguably one of his best albums. He said this, and I have to read it because it's so good. This album is a humble offering to him, an attempt to say thank you, God, through our work. Even as we do in our hearts and with our tongues, may we help and strengthen all men in every good endeavor. And, you know, so, we, so we're meant to be extraordinary. We're meant, we're meant to kind of show joy in our work. And I was trying to think of a place where, where's the last place that you would have joy? And I think in work. Can you guys think of a place like that? I'm going to say it's the DMV. I don't know about you. Um, but, you know, people are there for hours and hours, and then you find out that you forgot, you know, your birth certificate or your social security card, and then you yell at someone, and then you leave. And, and you know, and these people are, like, not in any hurry, right, um, to get things done. Well, so I, I had to do this recently to, to take care of an expired license, which I didn't get a ticket for. Um, but, uh, um, <laughs> but anyway, so I, but they had this thing called check-in online. I was like, no, this can't work. And so I checked in online. I showed up 10 minutes early. And I mean, to the dot, like 918, I was served. The lady was super nice and she was encouraging. And, and, you know, and I got my stuff and I walked out and it was like 925. I was in there for like 12 minutes. It was the most delightful and wonderful experience. Someone somewhere in the Department of, of Transportation created this system called Check-In Online. God bless them, right? You know, <laughs> that person is living Jesus in his work, whether he's a Christian or not. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Um, so Matthew five thirteen through 16 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer, this is my, one of like my favorite scriptures of all of my life. Um, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown at or trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light for, for everyone in the house. And this is it right here in, in verse 16. It says, and in the same way, let your light shine before others and let them see your good deeds and glorify the Father. So I'm wrapping up here and, and, and there, well, trying to. Uh, uh, and so there's this, uh, there's this sign on my ceiling, and I think I have an image of it I, I put in the presentation. But I, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was like, you know, 3 in the morning. And I said, you know what, I have to do this. And so I printed out, love God, love others, be extraordinary on a piece of eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And I wanted to put it on the ceiling of my bed. My ceiling is very high. And so I went and got a stool and I put it on my bed. Well, a bed is not very sturdy, right? 
And on top of that, it still couldn't reach the ceiling. So I, I stacked all the, this is in the middle of the night. My wife is sleeping next to me. We have a king size bed. So it's pretty big, but I stacked up all the pillows and put a stool on top of pillows on top of a bed. It was like the worst idea on the planet, but I put this sign on my, on my ceiling that says, love God, love others, be extraordinary. It's still there to this day. Every day I wake up, I look at it. Be extraordinary. Now, if I could change it, I would probably say be extraordinary is not just for me. It's for the glory of God. So I would maybe say shine brightly for Jesus. But I think in the context of work, it works really well. And so our enemy is ordinary. Our enemy is to be commonly encountered or to be average or or to be of second rate. And, you know, I think God has given us all of these talents and abilities. And you might say like, well, oh gosh, you know, um, I don't know what my talents are. I don't know what my gifts and abilities are. But God has called us. Uh, and given us these wonderful things. And the parable of the talents, uh, you know, I don't have time to talk about, but even the guy that got one, sh- one talent, I don't know if you realize this, but a talent is $500,000 in equivalent our, t- our money. So even the guy that got the littlest, the smallest amount was still given all, a, a really great thing. And, and also, we're only responsible for what we're given. The guy that got two talents was only responsible for his two talents. He didn't compare himself to the guy that got more, five. And so we have to realize that God trusts us, but he also expects us to be proactive and to take risks and to take action. Because if you look at that scripture, you find out that God didn't tell him, or in the scripture, in the parable, uh, the king didn't tell him what, what to go do with the money. They had to figure it out on their own. So, but the neat thing is, God is speaking to our heart and he's giving us a guide and he's allowing us the opportunity to serve him. And he speaks through, he speaks in us and he speaks through us. We're called to him, but we're sent to others. And, and so, you know, we're meant for more. And I have to, you know, pull up my pen here just as a reminder, we're meant to be this, right? Not this. We, uh, it's okay to be common, but God has called us to be extraordinary and to shine brightly for Jesus. And so that's the final point, which is shine brightly for the good of others unto the glory of God. And, you know, so I just want to summarize here and, uh, and, and, and wrap up with this, that God has handcrafted you with a unique design that is all your own. And so when we are out in the marketplace, when you, when you go to work on Monday, I hope that maybe I've planted just some small seed, just like some tiny element that will make you look at your work differently. And so you can start by asking why. What a wonderful thing. How easy is it to not say, okay, well, maybe I'm not even supposed to be here. Maybe I'm supposed to be somewhere else. Am I in my sweet spot? I don't know. You're in your sweet spot. Start by asking why and who you're doing it for. And then also to be true to who you're created to be. Don't try to do someone else's work and, and, and don't try to be someone else doing their work, right? So don't, don't do either of these things. Don't try to mimic someone and just be who you are created to be. And that's, that's what God calls you for. And then, and then also to just look for opportunities and to take advantage of and be intentional in the ways that you serve others in your workplace. And then finally, above all, to shine brightly for God. And so, you know, at its core, I think that, um, you know, our sweet spot really is about our identity in Jesus Christ. And I've been waiting to the end to tell you this, but I think that you could probably, and in almost all circumstances, replace sweet spot with Jesus and it will still work. You know, finding Jesus in our work, living Jesus in our work. And I think that as we live Jesus in our work, we reflect him back to others. And that allows us to live the life that God has called us to live. And it doesn't just stop there, you know. And so when we're doing the meaningful work that we're meant to do, when we're doing the worthwhile work, it's going to be when we're operating out of that place that we have been uniquely designed to be. And that we're and, and, and to be able to operate in that place, that is our goal. And that's the joy that we have in the Lord. So I'm going to stop. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to have the worship team come up. <clears throat> Lord Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to be here today. Lord, I thank you for this chance, Lord, to share just something that I'm excited about, God, um, that you have put in me uniquely, God. 
Um, I pray that as we walk and, and work, God, I pray that, that we would see opportunities differently. Lord, that we would see you and we would see why we are doing what we're doing, God. And Lord, I just ask that, uh, Lord, that you would just inspire us, Lord, that it's, it might take hard work, Lord. It might take more, uh, a little more faith, Lord, than we have right now. Lord, let us walk by faith, Lord, and be filled by your presence as we do so, God. And let us operate as your people, your representation in the work, in the work that we do. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And we give you all the credit, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com slash welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. See you next time.